0: Hey, what's going on, everyone? My name is Matt Jarbo. This is 3 Buck Theater, and welcome back to the very first episode for October 2018. I uh, can't believe we're already uh, we're already in October. There's, there's so much still to look forward to coming out this year, and some of it good, uh, you know, some some of it not so much. That, that kind of is Venom, at this point in time for me at least. The way I look at Venom is one that, oh, it exists. I, I don't know if that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, one of my buddies has already seen the movie, kind of gave it like a passable grade, so to speak. Uh, you know, he he was just kind of like, go in with low expectations, but it's fun. And I kind of feel like that's going to be what to expect when I go see it on Thursday night. Uh, additionally, well, what we'll be talking about here in a little bit is uh, Tom Hardy and some of the things he's been saying about Venom, which ultimately I think is going to... Um, Again, I think it might negatively impact the film, and that has everything to do with how, how the movie has been produced uh, and how it's been handled through post-production. But that being said, I, I like to start off Mondays uh, by taking a quick look over at the IMDb page for the top 10 here in these United States. Uh, Night School actually popped off the, the, the weekend being number one, with $28 million. The movie scored terribly low on Rotten Tomatoes, which I covered the other day. It doesn't look funny at all. The trailer was really uninspired. And, you know, people went out to go see it, I think predominantly because, well, Kevin Hart's still pretty funny and Tiffany Haddish is well-liked. So there's that. But you figure a $28 million opening weekend for those two types of uh, of, of heavy hitters, at least at this point in time, is kind of low. Then we've got uh, Smallfoot, which is the Channing Tatum-led Bigfoot movie uh family comedy that uh, only again only twenty three million only twenty three million uh for something like that you figure it would have done a little bit better, right? Uh a house with a clock in its walls with twelve and a half million, uh total gross so far is forty four point eight million. So it's not doing too bad for an Eli Roth directed family film, right? I still find it odd that the guy who made, you know, uh hostel one and Hostel part two and cabin fever and uh, a few other things, um, went on to go do a family movie and was like, I really like doing this. I, I think he did it just to uh get the money in order to uh to to make something else he wants. Uh Paul Feig's a simple favor, six point six million so far uh this last week with a forty three point one million total. Uh, I I don't know if that's considered a flop or not. I mean it's you know, a relatively poorly marketed film, in my opinion, the way that they've been marketing the movie is trying to play up the mystery aspect of it. Um, still can't quite tell you what it's about. I don't think anyone who has, who hasn't seen the movie can tell you what it's about, but I'm not hearing anyone talk about it. So you got that, uh, the nun at number, uh, five, here with uh, 5.4 million uh, total gross so far, 109 million doesn't make, doesn't surprise me at all, seeing that that's coming off of the uh, the Conjuring universe and that is now a billion dollar one, uh, or I should say a billion dollar franchise. Uh, although 109 million for the Nun does seem a little bit low considering that uh, I feel for the amount of money that the other ones have earned, this one's probably a little bit lower of an earner. Uh, Hellfest is a new one that just came out. That's, I feel like it's a, a bit of a, tie, a tried and true type of film. Uh, it, it, it's been done before, you know, psychopath takes over an amusement park, turns it into a torturous hellscape for unsuspecting people. Um, I mean, hell, I've even written a movie like that that took place in a movie theater that we shot in LA about eight years almost nine years yeah almost eight years ago uh crazy rich Asians, now apparently the number one earning romantic comedy of the decade or something i don't know they they, they try to find anything they can to, uh, to to give it a high accolades i hear it's pretty good but haven't seen it yet uh currently sitting at uh, 165.7 million the predator all the way down from number three last week to number eight that's a low drop, $3.7 million, only $47 million earned total. And a lot of people have been going into that asking why, what happened to this film. This franchise should have done a lot better. Uh, and it's possible that it just, you know, it, it failed to hit its mark. Shane Black didn't deliver on what I think a lot of people hoped he would deliver on. And that might be the fact that he could be just not in the right, you know, he could be hitting that slump in a career. He could just be... Uh, trying a bit too hard i actually haven't made it out to go see it yet i want to really bad i just haven't been able to uh you got white boy rick um who uh who is now at uh 2.4 million for the weekend 21 total uh looks pretty good looks interesting uh, like, like an oscar contender sort of thing especially for matthew mcconaughey i'm pretty sure that's how they pitched it to him too like hey hey matt hey you want to you want to earn another oscar and he's like all right all right all right uh, but the trailer looks pretty good from what I've seen, and I do want to see the movie. And Peppermint, one uh, point eight million at the number ten spot with thirty three point five million. Jennifer Garner's uh, you know revenge plot movie that uh, that just will probably do well on home video. You figure a movie like this would have done uh, particularly well. Uh, in regards to the current state of me too. And you figure it would have done a lot better in regards to, uh, uh, the current society, but people just didn't want to go see it. You know, it's uh, it's not like that movie that, that Jennifer L- uh, Lopez movie enough. Right. Where she was uh, in an abusive relationship and she she got stronger to fight back and kick her abusive husband's ass. Like that's one of my mom's favorite movies. Uh, but this one just didn't seem to interest her or anybody uh, in that particular fashion, which doesn't necessarily surprise me, given uh, that, again, we're kind of in this weird place now where certain movies do well, certain movies don't. And I don't think anyone can really figure out why it becomes a real scattershot um, or just kind of like uh uh a, a mixed bag of what's going to hit what's going to not and uh, then again streaming is doing really well um and uh, movies in other countries might pick up the slack so that's kind of what i think you know american producers are hoping for and it's unfortunate that the american audience is just kind of like you know doing other things instead of going to the movies but then again the movies themselves might just be middling uh and almost it, it might be the only one here that thinks would be interesting if hollywood took like a year off Right, like a year off, like a semester abroad sort of thing, where they're just like, Oh, hey, why don't we head on out uh, to to, uh, to to another country, find ourselves in the in the European Alps or it's Swiss Alps, European Alps, Swiss Alps, find ourselves on a trip, come back and tell good stories. That would be nice, that'd be a thing. Uh, but fortunately that's not happening because it's a you know, multi-billion dollar a year industry that needs to maintain itself. And so as a result of that, we get movies like, well, Venom and uh, and and Venom is one that, again, I don't think is necessarily going to, uh, to, to do as well in the back end as they want, especially because I don't think there's faith in the property. And I say that because of, well, stuff that even Tom Hardy says, uh, like this here, where he says that, uh, Venom cut out Tom Hardy's favorite scenes in the movie. Uh, It says here that this week brings Venom to theaters and the fans will finally get to see if Sony Pictures can pull off a movie featuring a prominent Spider-Man villain without including the web singer himself. Tom Hardy takes the lead in the role as Eddie Brock, an intrepid reporter who ends up infected with a dangerous and deadly symbiote that turns him into Dr. Jekyll, Mr. type personality, who is hungry for flesh uh, and keeps getting himself into dangerous situations. Um, that's the question everyone is wondering if it can work. And so we're to believe Tom Hardy, the answer is no. In a recent interview, Tom Hardy was asked of his favorite scene, what his favorite scene in the, the film was. And he surprisingly answered, there are scenes that aren't in the movie. Um, and so he goes on to say here that continuing his answer, Tom Hardy said there are like 30 to 40 minutes worth of scenes that aren't in the movie, all of them, mad puppeteering scenes, dark comedy scenes, you know what I mean? They just never made it in. Um, and then the reviewer here does want to say that it's entirely possible that Tom Hardy could be joking. Uh, I don't think he's joking. I don't think Tom Hardy is joking at all in this regard. I think Tom Hardy is telling the truth um and he's he's kind of been covertly defending the PG-13 film not covertly he did come out publicly and say uh, or or covertly pushing for an R-rated one again i covered both uh interpretations of that quote where he says it can fulcrum into an R-rated film or it can fulcrum into a, a to a kids movie uh which is a very odd thing if you think about it because what it ultimately boils down to um at least in terms of like the ratings is that you know, they remove the blood, the blood will all pretty much be CG, so it's not hard to just control out delete that shit and you know, maybe cut away some scenes where he's eating the heads off of people or or snacking on body parts or whatever it is that Venom's going to do in that regard. Um, and you know, whereas I'm sure in the uh in the the unrated cut that we are inevitably going to see. Um, that we are inevitably going to see is is going to have that stuff included i think tom hardy is bracing fans for impact i think tom hardy is bracing fans for a relatively sterilized and sanitized version of the character and one that they hope is going to do well enough to warrant a sequel to bring in spider-man in order to make it uh, earn more money and given the popularity and the success of Sony's, or I should say insomniac games, uh, Spider-Man for the PlayStation four that came out a month ago. And by the way, that game is utterly, oh no, three weeks ago, it was like utterly, utterly fantastic. Uh, I just beat it the other day and I loved every second I spent with it. And I think it'd be pretty cool to have venom in there as well. Um, especially given the writing of that, can the writing staff on that game, like work on these next, like these next MCU films? or whatever, or can like Sony hire them to write the Venom movie or to write a Spider-Man film? And I only say that because the writing was superb. The story was amazing. And it was the best MCU movie, uh, you've ever played pretty much. I know I'm kind of gushing about Spider-Man for PS4, but what I'm, what I'm talking about here is they've sanitized Venom. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, one of my buddies went to go see it and he kind of was like, meh about it. Other people who have now seen it have come out and they're all like, meh, about it, I'm waiting for the Rotten Tomato score to drop so I can do an RT recap to, to show you guys about that because that's kind of where we are right now. We, we're we're in a place where Tom Hardy's going out there and saying, "Well, I mean, it works as PG-13, but it could be R-rated. We could do both and and, and have that work, um, and then uh, you know go go that particular route." Um, but you know, nobody wants it. That's the whole problem here nobody wants a pg-13 venom movie uh but we've got it because amy pascal and Avi Arad and all those guys don't understand how to do these films properly and so we the fans are stuck having to deal with this kind of like middle of the ground kind of thing that doesn't necessarily need to be there and it's kind of like um it's kind of like what's happening over with fox and the x-men movies right it's again fans are like we don't want this anymore what we want is a consistent, cohesive universe that, that and fans will support it. If it goes cross studio, fans will support it. If it's part of the larger MCU and it goes cross studio, they're fine with that. Provided that the movies are good, provided that this stuff is good. What we're seeing now, I mean, coming out of like Fox has been kind of hit or miss. Logan was excellent. Deadpool was excellent, but those were against the grain. Those, those were allowing themselves to go R-rated and make that push here. They didn't do that. And so I think fans... I don't think fans are going to be very happy when they see the movie. And I think it's going to be reflected in an audience uh, score and, and a low cinema score. But then again, we'll have to find out uh, on f- uh, price Saturday uh, what exactly that is when all that information comes out. So speaking of, um, of comic book movies gone awry, this is an interesting story that popped up over the weekend that I was waiting to cover. Uh, so Justice League, we're not, we're not going to get Justice League part two. Right, we're not. We're, I don't think we're ever going to see the the fight between Dark Side and the Justice League. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. Not for a while. Warner Brothers, uh, in their mind, absolutely positive, or in my mind, I think absolutely positively, kind of screwed the pooch with how they've reacted to the DCEU, not how they've handled it, how they've reacted to it. Right when uh, Man of Steel comes out in 2013, and in my opinion, one of the top five films of that year. I think it was amazing, such a, a wonderfully emotional experience. Yes. That's my stance on it. I know other people are going to be disagreeing with me on it. And that's fine. And then we get Batman v Superman, which the theatrical was garbage because it came down to a, uh, to an executive chopping out a half hour. Uh, the extended cut was a lot better than Justice League ends up getting cut down to two hours on the nose to fit in another another showtime per day in order to try to make more money. Uh, we don't get an extended cut on home video. People are demanding the release, the Snyder cut in order to get an, a, a fundamental closing or closure of what Zack Snyder had wanted. And they kind of just seem to be moving away from all of that. Now focusing on standalone films rather than a larger, persistent, cohesive universe and fans just aren't really digging it. I don't think, I, I think, I think it's going to be pretty big backlash against Shazam when it comes out, it looks like fun, but I think it's going to feel the brunt of a lot of the problems that have come out of the DCEU. But now we get catch wind that apparently Zack Snyder here wanted to kill Batman in the DCEU. That's how he wanted to end Justice League part two, apparently. So it says here, following the disappointing commercial reception to Justice League, a sequel, which was originally scheduled to come out in 2019, was indefinitely shelved in favor of a Batman standalone movie, which may or may not star Affleck. Uh, but if Zack Snyder, and I just, I, I, am using an Uproxx article here and I don't quite know why at this point, because I, I there's, there's just like such a, a, a snidey little comment here. Oh, of release the Snyder cut fame. No, if, what do you mean? i release released this. Everyone knows who Zack Snyder is, who works in, who, like, who knows comic book movies, dude. That's such a stupid thing to say. This, this, this such a, it's such a, uh, of just a, like, cut him off at the knee sort of thing. Like take away, whatever, man, the the, the writer here's a jerk. Um, If he had his way, Justice League 2 would have killed off the Dark Knight. When the director was asked by a fan who uploaded a photo of Superman holding Batman's lifeless body, whether this was planned, whether his planned five film story arc would have ended with Bruce Wayne dying. He responded, of course. And he made the announcement on Vero, which is his preferred social media platform. It's like the only way you hear anything about Vero these days is is something related to Zack Snyder. But then again, if you ever want to go and actually talk to Zack Snyder, that is kind of the place to go and do it because he, he it seems like he responds there and fans have flocked there. Now he could have created his own echo chamber, I don't quite know, but I feel like ultimately uh, Vero is where he's at. Now it says here, the uh, this is how it's kind of just describing the image. Uh, the image the fan is using on Vero is evocative of a moment that occurs in Grant's, Grant Morrison's Final Crisis event series, which deals with Darkseid's plot to upend reality through the use of anti-life equation. Uh, in the sixth issue of the Multiverse Shaking series, Darkseid apparently kills the Cape Crusader with his Omega Beam, after which Superman recovers his body and then faces off with the ruler of Apocalypse. By the end of the series, we discover that Bruce Wayne is not dead, but has in fact been sent back in time by the Omega Beams. Now, that's not to say that's what would have happened inside of this. I mean, we already know based upon the Flash kind of going back from the nightmare sequence and, uh, and, and warning Batman about uh, Superman and warning him about Lois Lane being the key and what is coming and how we saw that play out in Justice League probably wouldn't end up being just that. Because, like, if you're going to do time travel at all, the Flash is a person to do it. Right. Then I mean, they did want to do that with Flashpoint. They did already want to touch on that. We know that's not happening anymore, uh, but it does make it really interesting to see what's going to happen next in regards to uh, the series and what's going to happen with uh, with 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 that. I have no idea, to be honest with you. I have no idea uh, if how Zack Snyder's film series would have ended, um, but now we're just never going to get it. And that's again, when I criticize the DCEU, uh, that's a big part of it. Right. Like, I mean, Marvel, at least at least with Avengers Infinity War and whatever Avengers four is going to be, they are, in fact, tying up loose ends that have been plot holes uh, left throughout the previous films. Maybe they said that they said that pretty much all of them are going to be tied up. Uh, or at least discussed or touched upon, and I have no idea how true that is. We're going to have to wait and see what happens with Infinity War. But there's a level of care and love that goes into Marvel that is not present at DC. And it is not the creators, in my opinion. It's not the creators of these. People always like to attack. Attack, 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 attack. They like to attack Zack Snyder and attack uh, the directors. Uh, I would argue it has more to do with the producers over at DC films, not fundamentally being comic book executives or comic book fans. Whereas Kevin Feige has been working on Marvel movies since the first freaking X-Men. He understands it. He has a vision. He has a goal. Disney has recognized that vision. They have supported that vision. And even when there's been some, some fumbling in some respects, uh, they have still pushed forward with him because they know that the good absolutely outweighs the bad. And I feel that DC, um, just come, warners just didn't know how to handle it. They don't know how to handle franchises. Warners doesn't know how to build anything anymore without it being Harry Potter. And they just kind of let it die. They let it get, uh, to this point where it's now who knows. And you know what, as far as fans go, it becomes, uh, who cares? which is, uh, I think, going to be pretty, pretty present when going forward, especially when looking at some of their other projects like uh, like the DCU or the DC Universe uh, and what is going on over there as well. So uh, speaking of the DC Universe here, this is an an interesting one because I have the app I paid I prepaid uh, for the the year, which gave me a total of 15 months for approximately four dollars and ninety three cents per month, which isn't bad. Actually, it's not it's not bad, not a bad price uh, for 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 the time being. Um, I've checked it out. I've I've uh, checked out some of the some of the stuff on there. It's it's fun going back and seeing that the Batman movies are on there and some of the animated stuff and Superman stuff and, you know, and checking that out. But really why I got it was, okay. I really want like, you know, Batman Beyond All Seasons. I want Batman, the animated series all seasons. And I I do want the the animated movies because I've missed a lot of those. So that's one of the reasons why I got it. But I got it also for the original content because the original content is going to be interesting. And I think that uh, good or bad, it's going to be interesting. It's the point I want to make. But uh, apparently pre-order sales or pre-orders for DC Universe have not been very high because, well, uh, what we're seeing here is Netflix to carry Titans internationally. Very similar to how uh, Netflix handled things with Star Trek Discovery Season 1. They co-financed... And they got it. They got the international distribution, whereas in America it was CBS All Access charging a monthly premium in order to get that particular content. And here we're finding out that the same exact thing is happening again, which just leads me to ask the question: Why something like DCU exists? Right? Because in the United States, I'm getting screwed. In the United States, I'm getting fucked. Outside of the United States, every, you know, whatever your monthly subscription is, you get Star Trek Discovery and you get something like this, and that is just crappy. Now it says here, while the first live action show, the DC universe streaming service has a ways to go to climb out of the PR hole. It created by its first profanity spiked trailer. Uh, there's a good news for those outside the US who want to watch it. Netflix will be carrying the show in the UK and elsewhere around the world. And again, I've paid the money for it. So I get it regardless, but what the hell? Again, what, what the hell, you know, you want You're trying to build this streaming platform and get away from the competition. But you're teaming up with the competition, and the only reason why they're doing it, I mean, really, the only reason why they're doing it is just because they they get, uh, you know, it's a built-in market, and they don't have to then separate and differentiate. They want to do that here in the states and hopefully expand it out. But if they're working with, with if they're working with Netflix internationally, then people can just download the episode, who, who you know, online. They're just going to be able to pirate it, find streams. Uh, it's not going to drive them to. Uh, to 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 getting it here in the U.S. Now it says here, uh, which means you want it to pay for DC uni- Universe to see the show, but you have to have it have to be a Netflix user. Hundred million of those, right? Actually, fifty million Netflix users in the United States. So fifty million outside of the United States that will get access to DC Universe uh let's see the yeah the show follows the exploits of everybody and and whatnot and it drops on uh october 12th so just a couple days with episodes releasing once a week in a run of 11 for the first season uh and uh, netflix right now only mentions it as coming soon so we don't necessarily know if it's going to be dropping at the same time i want to say i don't think that it will I think that if DC is 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 set on doing this, with, which it appears that they are, uh, they they would be smart at that point to then you know have it uh, become like the same deal they've got with the CW, which is where the CW has their shows they air on the network, and then two weeks after the series the series or, or the season finale is when those episodes appear on Netflix for people to then binge and watch. That's what I think they're going to probably end up doing here, and that that to me kind of makes more sense. Like I'm not as against that because then it's like still, if they were releasing it week after week after week, uh, then there's no point. If they if they, if they they do that week after week after week, there's no point for me uh, to continue having a service once I get through my 15 months and, unless they start adding in more shows because I could just go and find the stuff online or wait long enough and it will probably eventually come to Netflix anyway. Um, I mean, it doesn't do anything for me to push me to not go and find it uh, and it by alternate means, you know, this is a problem when we deal with, and I'm not trying to advocate for piracy here. What I'm saying is the big problem with the way content distribution happens these days is that because of the segmenting off be, based upon regions and, and things along those lines is it does p- push a lot of people to piracy and piracy is not hard. It hasn't been hard. It's never been hard. If you know what you're looking for and you know, people out there do it now a lot easier than they used to. I mean, back in the day, back in the early 2000s, um, I had friends who did this religiously and they would dive into like IRC chat rooms and, and do peer-to-peer servers from there. And then of course with like, you know, Kazaa and, and was it BearShare and a bunch of those other programs, it got a lot easier. Uh, but then as we got into Torrents and then we got into Usenets and things like that, it became a lot simpler. And nowadays, you know, you can find a lot of the stuff on YouTube. And you can watch it through there. People will live stream the stuff on YouTube. You probably will be able to find DC Universe when it premieres, uh, you know, on on Netflix or, or on on whatever. Uh, on the 12th, you'll be able to find somebody who's going to stream it uh, to YouTube. And and that's just where we are right now. And so I know that these companies are trying to earn money, and they're trying to stay afloat, and they're trying to stay stay around. But the further they get away from where everyone is going. Uh, and by separating stuff, then it becomes a problem. Now, look, I mean, I'm complaining about that and I understand while, while looking at the article here, that Netflix is going to be handling it internationally. And so the rest of the world will be getting it all on one service. Whereas the United States, we get screwed. So I see that, but it's like, again, you know, like if you're going to do it, either shit or get off the pot. Don't, don't sit there and like, um, Don't sit there and and act like it's, you know, like, don't, don't segment it out. Do it, do it big. I don't think Disney is going to internationally is going to sit there and, and still work with Netflix. They're going to pull everything and put it on their service because they they believe in the product. I just don't think at this point, DC fully believes in DC universe just yet. Uh, I hope they do because I do support the idea of the service. I, I just, I just have so much trouble with uh with with where things are going right now with it that, that that news right there kind of bothers me is all i really want to say about it but okay all right so let's also talk about netflix because this is something i don't know how it's going to work out but i'm 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 definitely definitely intrigued uh black mirror is a, is a great show uh it's a fantastic show this last season had a lot of really solid episodes a couple duds but there's been like that on every season Um, but this new season that's going to be coming out, they're trying something, uh, wholly different. And I don't know how it's going to work, but it is something that Netflix is in fact experimenting with. And that is going to be, uh, the, uh, the choose your own adventure episode of black mirror. Yeah. If you watch black mirror, one of the episodes, uh, is going to end up being a choose your own adventure, which is going to be very interesting. Uh, now it says here. Uh, we are always looking forward to the next season of Charlie Booker's Black Mirror, and today brings an interesting update on the show's next batch of episodes. According to Bloomberg, one of them is going to be a choose-your own adventure style thing. Details on how this will work uh, will work remain sketchy for the time of this writing, but it's probably safe to assume that it involves u- users navigating a branching narrative with their remotes or their tablets, as with the case uh, with HBO and Steven Soderbergh's Mosaic. Bloomberg also mentioned that this is just one of several choose-your own adventure style pieces of programming headed to Netflix with several other pieces of interactive entertainment being planned for as early as before the end of the year. Now, the thing to remember with that is a lot of the interactive content is aimed at children. Uh, This is something that's definitely aimed at adults. So that's what they're gonna be going for on that one. They very much want it to be uh, interactive and they're working on even making, well, they were gonna be working with uh, Telltale Games on doing a Stranger Things uh, experience or game that I think was going to actually end up uh, coming to Netflix. Cause I know Minecraft story mode, that's what they're bringing to Netflix. They're bringing Minecraft story mode, which again is a lot of choose your own, you know, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of the ability to choose your actions. So they're testing that kind of interactive content, which is interesting to me. It's very interesting to me. Um, I'm hoping that black mirror, it, it pays off, but I, I don't know of how that's going to work out so far. Um, I will say though, interactive content on, on home video, not in a game, but on home video, can work if done right. Choose Your Own Adventure is a series I've grown up with, uh, and, and I know many of you out there have as well. Uh, it's always a fantastic, fantastic thing to get into, uh, especially when you're a kid. I always loved the hell out of it. And a couple of years ago, or, well, no, it was actually over a decade ago now, they released a Choose Your Own Adventure animated movie uh, that was, it was the one about the Yeti, right? Or the, I think it was The Abominable Snowman. Was the one they released and it was voiced by like frankie muniz and i think like lacey Chabert and a few other people and it takes you through the the you know the, the the story but animated and you can choose your path um and i sat there one night with a buddy of mine i bought the dvd uh, i went to the studio i was working at talked to the studio manager we got some dinner and i'm like hey you want to watch this choose your Own adventure thing because we were at the time we were discussing how to use it how to utilize it within youtube because youtube allowed for Choose Your Own Adventures to be created via annotations. And I had actually been working with him on creating a concept we had called Choose Em Up, which is kind of a dumb thing, but I actually wrote a story uh, and it's up its up somewhere on YouTube. I can't even tell you the, the URL for it right now, but I created a Choose Your Own Adventure using annotations on YouTube, but annotations are now dead. They're, they're now dead. So, you know, you won't be able to do that, but you would be able to use the end credit scene uh, as a way to, to to determine which way to go on that, but the point I'm trying to make here essentially is that um, you could do this kind of stuff through YouTube and other interactive properties. And the the Choose Your Own Adventure story, the the, the DVD was actually pretty fun. We went through it in about an hour and a half, and uh, I we actually went through the A story, completed the A story, and then were able to make it into the B story and complete the B story with what I believe to be the best endings. I went and looked it up afterward. I mean, it was very simple, very basic, very easy. It was just, you know, move on the, you know, you just kind of select the menu, so to speak. And they could easily do that with any remote or any tablet, right? And and that's gonna be interesting for, for keeping people watching Netflix longer. And I would assume that if this does well, YouTube would probably push for the same kind of thing. A lot of people watch YouTube on their, their, their phones or on their tablets or on their, their smart TVs or their consoles. Um, I'd say probably more so than watching it on the PC. And so getting that kind of interactive content would be something that works out really, really, really well, uh, for what, uh, for what they want to do for, for things for how they want to play it. So I'm very intrigued to see where this goes. I'm, i have always loved choose your own adventures. I really want to see what they're going to do with it. And I know I've kind of gone off on this whole tangent about it. Uh, but again, I just. When they start innovating content, interactive content, in that fashion, if they do it well enough, I think it opens the door for a lot of other avenues of exploration. Like just as a quick example, um, like for at E3 when they had uh, Bethesda uh, being able to play Skyrim on uh, uh, on you know the whatever it's called the Alexa, and as a result of that, they uh, made it really interesting. To, uh, to to me because I was looking at that going like oh that would be fun to play an audio version mm. of that and you might have heard my Alexa go off uh, <laughs> so uh, so yeah it's, it's it's very fascinating to see where things are going to go so again I'm interested in that but anyway lastly today and this is this is for the video podcast people those if you're listening at home or on iTunes and this part probably isn't going to fascinate you so much so I do apologize for that but we did get the very first image of David Harbour or the new poster, I should say, of David Harbour as Hellboy. And this thing looks wicked as hell. Uh, Yes, it's all definitely Photoshop, but it gives you an idea of the prosthetics. It gives you an idea of what to look for uh, and what the style of Neil Marshall's film is going to be. This thing looks just wonderfully twisted and uh I can't wait to see what they're going to do with it I think I think David Harbor is going to be a good uh a good hellboy is not Ron Perlman even though he looks a little bit like Ron Perlman here he does he looks a little 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 Ron Perlman Uh, And I don't think that's ever going to go away. I think at this point, people are just looking for that because they love Ron Perlman in the role. And we'd always love to get to see a conclusion to that trilogy. Sadly, it never, ever, ever happened. I hope one day Guillermo del Toro will find a way to kind of release it comic book wise to give us uh, an actual conclusion to that story, which would be pretty, pretty damn cool if he did. Uh, But this one opens up on April 12th, 2019, bumped uh, three months from January. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that you have like uh, glass and a couple other big movies that well, I mean, there was X Men Dark Phoenix that was going to be coming out in a, in February that got moved now to uh, I think it got bumped again actually even out of summer it got bumped out of summer um, and I just don't see it happening anymore it just I just don't see X Men Dark Phoenix actually happening but anyway enough about that but this looks pretty cool and I can't wait to see what they do with the next but anyway guys that's gonna wrap up today's episode of Three Book Theater uh, there's again a lot to go through always shit crazy shit happening. In regards to uh, Hollywood, but be sure uh, to, to let me know what you think, hit me up on social media and let's talk about movies and I'll see you tomorrow for another episode. My name is of course, Matt Jarbo. This has been three Buck theater. Have yourself a great day and peace out. With YouTube demonetizing independent media, please consider becoming a patron today for just a dollar per month. Link below.